This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Hello, everyone. Well, hello, the few of you who are here. <laughs> Jerry's Advent, and I'm one of these people who I've brought up Welsh Baptist. We didn't talk much about Advent. So I don't know much about Advent. I, you know, really what it was all about. And it's to celebrate, we all think it's to celebrate Christmas, but it's also to celebrate the second coming. It's significant of the second coming as well. So I started to ponder about Advent. And my message this morning is a very simple one. Very simple. I'm just going to talk about the nativity. And I've spoken at Christmas times many times in the past. And I always thought I had to bring something special something different, something not that everybody else knew, you know? You think you've got to crank it up somehow. But when I started to read it, the nativity is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so it says, Mary, when when it had all happened to Mary, she says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. And that's really what I want you to do. I want us to be ponderers. Between now and Christmas, can we ponder about the nativity? About really what happened and what God and Christ actually did at the nativity and how it was meant to impact my life and your life. So that's where this is coming from. It's a simple, simple message. So we start. Luke 2 And this is 26 to the end, and Andrew's already read it. It's Mary meeting the angel. So I'll read it again. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Can you imagine? She's about 14 to 16 years of age and suddenly Gabriel, one of the archangels, appears before you. And we have no knowledge what angels looked like. I don't think it says in scripture what angels looked like. In the Old Testament, they turned up as men. So we have no idea what this looked like, but some being turned up and told this, what we would call a child, you're going to, be, you're, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to become pregnant. Troubled? I don't think I'd just be troubled if at 14 an angel... What do you feel, Ab? Huh? Somebody's going to turn up and tell you, there we are, you're going to get pregnant, you are. Can you imagine? Because that's what, Mary's not much older than this when this happens to her. And this is incredible. And this young girl just accepts it. So we go on. But the angel said, don't be afraid. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom 
will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. We leave it there. It's quite incredible, isn't it, that this child is confronted with this fact. You know, this fact, you're going to get pregnant, you're not married, that means really that you can be stoned to death for getting pregnant outside of marriage. That was the law. So she lived with that fear. And the angel says, don't be, no wonder he told her, don't be afraid. She was likely to be abandoned by her family and stoned to death. And here she is, be it unto me, even as the Lord has said. So she's, I love Mary. I think she is absolutely incredible. For me, she's one of the greatest women in scripture. I just love her. But for us, what does this mean? So here's my ponder point one for you. Oswald Chambers says this. You are as pregnant with Jesus as Mary was. You have been endowed by the Holy Spirit with a deposit of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is to grow in you every bit as much as he grew in Mary. And when people look at the pregnant woman, they know she's carrying something precious. And so people, when they look at us, are meant to know there is something precious about us. Not precious, sorry, wrong way. Nothing precious about us. There is something precious in us. There is something special within us. The way we live, the way we act, the way we speak, our whole demeanor is to show that we're pregnant with Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what Oswald Chambers says. So the ponder point one is Christ growing in me. Day by day is Christ growing in me. Am I allowing him room to grow in me? Am I prepared to put aside all things so that Christ can grow in me? So that's the first point I want to make. And I'm not going to be long. I promise I'm not going to be long. So they go to, and I haven't given you the verses for this, Lee, I'm sorry. As they move on to Bethlehem, isn't it, Mary? They move to Bethlehem, and I'm sorry I haven't given the verses, but you know the story. Do I need to put it up? You know the story, don't you? She gets on a donkey at nine months pregnant, so goes from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Fancy doing that, then? <coughs> Last week? Hmm? On a donkey, travelling miles and miles across and when they arrive there, there's no room. There's nowhere for them to stay. Every room is full because they've called a census. So the whole of the, that area has turned out. They had to go to Bethlehem. And here's the thing, there's no room at the inn. And my favourite carol, one of my favourite carols, is a child's Welsh carol. And the chorus says this. And Hanol soon a dathli, 
a oes na leiriesu, na dirlledu llawn o hyd. In the middle of your celebrations, is there room for Jesus? Oh, is the inn still full? And you know, we look around, everybody's celebrating. Is there room for Jesus? And that can even be about us, isn't it? Can't that be about us? In the middle of enjoying the Christmas season with the parties and the Lapland and everywhere, do we make room, really make room to ponder what the Christmas story is really all about? Anghanol sŵn y dathlu gwyth sŵn i dathlu. A oes na leir iesu, na dirlledu llawn o hyd. The children sŵn gyd yn sgwls. You know, I love it. And then we go on. So here we are. So here's this young couple. Well, he's not so young, but this young girl who's travelled miles on a donkey. There's no room for her at the inn. They say, well, there's a caviar or a stable, whatever you want to say. You can stay in there if you want to. And there she goes. But the next part is the shepherds. And this is Luke 2, 8 to 21. It'll come up. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. The shepherds. I didn't realise that the shepherds were disregarded by society. They were considered low life, really. And they stayed up in the mountains with the sheep. So that they... And every, <laughs> everything I've read about this says the same thing. They smelt like the sheep. So the shepherds were... Sp- are they? Well, there we are. Liana tells me it's true as a shepherd. So don't go too close to Liana today. <laughs> but they were, so they were disregarded by society. They were ignored. They were out with their flocks and they didn't come in really. And yet, these are the people God first chose to show himself to. How amazing that the good news went to these people the disregarded. And sometimes I think, do you know what? That's what we are. We're, next to God, we're quite smelly, aren't we really? Smelly in sin, smelly in all other types of ways. We're, we're quite bad, really. And said so God confronts them, just confronts them without them knowing what's happening. Do you think God comes to us sometimes and just confronts us when we don't realise, oh, 
wow, he's come. You know, I think it's incredible. But all the angels singing and glory shining around. We have no idea what that must have been like. Because here, all we get sometimes is we feel the, power, feel the Holy Spirit. But we've never been in the presence of the glory, have we? But they have in revival. During revival is what's called holy convocations. And sometimes the actual glory of God would come in and fill the place. And they would hide under the pews because they were so terrified of being in the presence. So that's what it must have been like. Can you imagine a laser-like light suddenly here in this place? And they're in pitch darkness. There's no lights. The complete darkness. And suddenly, a being appears to you again, talking and telling you, don't be afraid. Well, I'm petrified, actually. I'm, I'm stuck to the spot. How would you feel? If something came here now, how would you feel? If suddenly a huge light filled this place and an angel appeared speaking to us. Because that's it's the reality of what happened to them. And then, not just that, multitudes of angels were there singing. Multitudes of angels singing and praising God. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible story of ordinary people who have confronted, who have been confronted by God himself telling you, do you know what? There's a saviour for you. There's a saviour for you. There's a king born today. He's for you. Don't be afraid of anything. Because today, I've given you the fulfilment of the promise. Christ with us. Emmanuel. God with us. He's here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is with you. He's come, and we may not see the angels or hear the singing, but the truth doesn't alter. Don't be afraid. God is with you. God is with you. He'll see you through anything. If he gave us Christ, will he not with, give us all things? If he's given us his son, he says he'll give us all things. So don't be afraid today. Don't be afraid. He's here. He's with us. And he brings peace. He's a peacemaker. It cost God everything to be a peacemaker. He's not a peacekeeper. He made peace with men. And it cost him everything. He left his father's throne above. So free, so infinite is grace. Emptied himself of all but love. And bled for Adam's helpless race. So Charles Wesley tells us. Amazing love. How can it be? How can it be? Thou my God just die for me. Amazing. And he makes peace. Not keeps peace. Makes peace. And making peace costs. If you want to be a peacemaker it's going to cost you. I am much more of a peacekeeper. There are people here who are peacemakers. But peacemaking isn't being confrontational. It's going to somebody in love. He emptied himself of all but love. And you bring to that person the only thing you want is restoration. Reconciliation. Restoration. That's why we're called children of God when we become peacemakers. Because that's who Christ is. 
and the peacemaker is called a child of God. So the angels say, peace on earth, goodwill to men, we need to go with us. And it's there in the banners all around everywhere. But I've got a clue what it means, people. There's no idea, it's in shop windows and everywhere. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. They have no idea what it cost for me to be restored back to the Father. No idea. It cost Christ everything. Everything. So ponder number two. You're going to be a peacemaker in your life? You're going to become a peacemaker? Are you going to put aside bitterness, anger? You're going to put aside resentments and all those things. Be prepared to put them aside and go to people in absolute love in order to restore relationship. Because that's what Christ did for us. And the lowliest of all is given the same promise. Peace with God. Amazing. Right. We go on. Wise men. The Magi. And this is Matthew 2, 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And I want to stop there for a minute because I want to talk just a bit about Herod. I've got to tell you, I'm quite worried about my family at the moment because they've been doing the nativity in school. And this week they were taught about Herod and Thomas's favourite character in the whole of the nativity is Herod, who he acts out when he goes home with a big sword to kill the babies. So I find it quite worrying, actually, that, that, that out of the nativity, Herod is his favourite person. But I think this is it. This is all about light, isn't it? The whole of the nativity is about light, God appearing, you know, um, the bright light, the star, so we get all this light, but here's the darkness. And I think we have to be aware the darkness always tries to cut in on the light. He will always try and cut in on the light. And the last thing he says here, now, when you find him, come tell me, then I'll go and worship him too. And luckily, as we go on to learn later on, that, you know, God tells him, tells the, 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 the Magi, don't you go back that way. Go a different way. And sometimes, you know, people, we can believe that we're doing the right thing, but we're doing it the wrong way. You with me? You can be persuaded that Herod worshipping was a good thing without knowing his motives. All he wanted to do was kill the child, right? 
and this is what, and I know I'm maybe taking a bit of a liberty with this, but I really felt as if I needed to say, wrong actions don't lead to right results. Doing wrong never leads to God's results. You can get away with it in the world, perhaps. But you can't get away with it with God. God looks at our walk, so he looks at our obedience to his word. And though as we walk, the results of that are up to him. We're not responsible for the results of my walk, but I'm responsible for my walk with him. Make it sense? So he looks more at what I'm, how I'm walking, because he, at the end, is responsible for the results. So in the end never justifies the means in Christianity. As, as, as a child of God, the end never justifies the means. The, mean, the, the end is up to God. The means by getting there is up to me and my walk with him. So I always have to obey and do it correctly. Leave the results to him. Leave the results to him. He'll see what I need. He'll see everything. And as you just said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just walk. Do not be convinced that you can compromise with God. Because in compromising with God, you're negotiating with the devil. Amen? So that's just one little caveat aside from it. Don't compromise thinking the end result will be good. You know, I won't lie here because that be, it'll be good then. You can't do that. God looks at your walk more than at the results. Right. But the wise men, the magi, should we go on? After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Magi, the wise men. They don't know whether they were kings, astronomers, astrologers, magicians, or whatever. There's the Magi is really who they were and what they were is there's a bit of controversy over. But one thing is they'd come an awful long way. They had travelled months to see this baby. They'd seen the star. They were seekers. They knew something amazing was out there. And they had travelled for months following this star to find whatever the star held. And they knew that it signified the birth of a king. So they're coming. Do you know there are people in this world who know there is something bigger than them in this world? And so they seek they are the seekers. They're not confronted like the shepherds. They seek, actively seek out to find. And one of these was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a seeker. He was an atheist. And suddenly he thought, I have to find out for myself. These are people. So he read the Bible. And it didn't take him a day. He didn't come to it overnight. He read it and he read it until he came to the conclusion of this. Jesus is either a lunatic, or who he says he is. He's not a good man. Because if you say he's a good man, this way, and if you want to read a really good book, read me A Christianity by C.S. Lewis. He says, if he's a good man, he's not. Because he's a liar. Because he claims to be the son of God. So actually, he's conning everybody. 
So he's not a good man in that way. He's delusional then, because he's claiming to be the Son of God, which makes him a lunatic. So you have to make up your mind about Jesus. Is he a liar, a lunatic, or who he says he is, the Son of God? And that's what we all have to make our minds out about. We have to seek him till we find him. And when we seek him with all our heart, it says, we will find him. So are you seeking? Are we seeking him? Are we actively seeking to know him? Not know about him. Know him. Do you know Jesus in the actual reality of your everyday life? Do you know Jesus? Have you got an idea about him? Do you know things about him? Or do you know him? And seeking means you've come to a decision. He's who he says he is. And if he's who he says he is, then there's only one thing I can do. And that is worship. The only thing I can do when Jesus says who he is, is worship him. I can't do anything else. King of kings, Lord of lords. You know, there's nothing else to do. So, seeking him, you're following his word. Are you looking actively to find Jesus in everyday life? Hmm? Are you? Are we? I don't know. And the last thing I want to say is you come to the, sh- the stable. C.S. Lewis again says this, Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than the whole world. Here's the stable, and in it is the incarnate Christ, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Gives you brain pain to think of this, absolute brain pain, to consider that God made himself into a baby, that the womb that he created, he was created in that womb. It's incredible that he left everything to come down here and become the most vulnerable thing, that little baby there, that tiny baby. That's what Jesus was like. He can do nothing for himself. He relies totally on Emily and Dan. Poor Dab. But <laughs> it's true, isn't it? He relies totally. He can do nothing but cry to make his needs known. That's all. So you look at this God who was the word, who spoke everything into existence. Let there be light is now confined to not being able to utter a single word. The confinement of the birth is phenomenal to me. That you would make yourself so vulnerable that you would be totally dependent on human beings to meet your every need. That when you grew up, you would be taught how to do carpentry by a man when you have actually grown the trees. Not grown the trees, made the trees. It's incredible that this God who's incarnate in this flesh and is vulnerable. That's humility beyond anything I can imagine. I can't imagine letting a pig bring me up. Can you? Just imagine becoming a piglet so that a pig will bring you up. Would you trust them to do that? It's, it's, it's inc- this is incredible to me. 
And this is what's given me brain pain now, pondering this. I really thought, how can it be? How can it be that God would do that for me? For me. He came to do that so that he could go to the cross and die for me. Incredible. So the only thing they do, all of them, is they worship. They worship him. They give him gifts. They don't ask him for gifts. They bring him the gifts. And they worship him. And the only gift you can give is you and me. The only gift. And Ephesians says it, he says, through Christ you are gifts given to God that he delights in. Isn't that absolutely wonderful? You are gifts given to God that he delights in. That's what Christ has done. He's made me a delight to God. I find that amazing. Don't you think so? A delight. Delights in me. Through Christ. And I worship. And worship, I... You know, you could talk about worship forever. But what is worship? You know, is it... It's not just singing songs. We all know that, is it? It's, it's a life. But also it's entering into worship. Where you connect with him in a way. You know, and he comes into you in a way that doesn't happen through any other way, really. I've got hell in up here to speak about worship because I can't do it, really. Do it justice. But it's this, this area you enter into where there's a divine exchange happen, where he enters into you in a way that doesn't happen through anything else. So that's all I wanted to say, really. It's very simple. Very short, but there's sometimes no need to give you lengthy sermons. You know, just ponder. Just ponder. Is Christ growing in you? Is he, is he growing in you like he did in Mary, so that when people see us, they think, wow, something different about them. They're carrying something special. Hmm? Are you obedient like the shepherds? Confronted with God, you go. They run to see him and then tell people all about him. Are we like the shepherds? Are we like the magi? Are we peacemakers? Are we like the magi who are prepared to seek and come to the conclusion he's either a lunatic, delusional, he's a liar, he's a con man, or he's Jesus, who he really says he is. We make our decisions and then we act accordingly. And do we really worship him? Do we really worship Jesus? Because that's all we can do, really. Everything we do stems from our worship of him. So, Merry Christmas, everyone. Really, have a wonderful time. But leave room for him. Leave room for him. Don't let everything get so full. There's no room for him. Make him the prime um, meditative. The thing that we think about most is Christmas. That apart from the presents and everything else, let's make Jesus the thing that we think about the most this Christmas. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.